do you do you do want quick time? Yeah. Okay. All right. Just count, count to three, and I'll start the okay. quick time recording. One, two, three. All right. I'm ready. Cool. Hey, welcome to the Katie Helper Show. I'm your host, Katie Helper. So excited about today's episode. It's a really good one. It's about Russiagate, and we bring you a really important voice and a voice that you don't hear many other places. Max Blumenthal, co-host of the podcast Moderate Rebels, which he co-hosts with Ben Norton. He is an author and journalist. He's the author of two books, Public and Gomorrah, Inside the Movement that Shattered the Party, and Goliath, Life and Loathing in Greater Israel. You can find his work on The Real News and at The Gray Zone. You can hear the Katie Helper Show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on WBAI, that's 99.5 FM, or WBAI.org. Find us on iTunes, rate and review us there, find us on SoundCloud, find us on Facebook. To hear the rest of my interview with Max, please become Patreon supporters. And to do that, just go to patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Also become Patreon supporters so that you can access our show notes, which links to great articles related to this topic. talking to good friend of the show, the irascible, irritatable, otherwise known as irritable, very smart journalist, Max Blumenthal. Thanks for talking to us. Good to be back. Yeah. Max, tell us what is happening with Russiagate. What is your hot take? And what do you have to say to people who are now saying um, that, you know what, you know, I was I was a skeptic, but you know what? At the end of the day, it's true what what people have been saying about about Russia. This is an illegitimate election. This election was determined by Russian interference. Well, that's a huge question. I don't know if we have time to cover all the bases, but I mean, I'm really shocked by the reaction to Mueller's indictment by um, MSDNC and the kind of um, fake resistance that's emanated out of the democratic establishment. Um, the indictment shows that uh, there was a Russian troll farm, a private troll farm run by a glorified hot dog salesman named Yevgeny Progozhin. He's one of Russia's richest and most powerful oligarchs. And now the U.S. special prosecutor says Yevgeny Prigozhin was deeply connected to the Russian campaign to sway the 2016 election for President Trump. Why the nickname The Chef? Prigozhin, who reportedly served jail time for robbery, started off selling hot dogs, according to his own account. He went on to run a catering company servicing schools, the military, the Kremlin, and dinners for visiting U.S. presidents. The U.S. indictment says Putin's so-called chef also handles the Kremlin's under-the-table operations, including a disinformation factory, the Internet Research Agency, that fed social media during the campaign. Twitter, Google, and Facebook all say the disinformation campaign, the indictment linked to Prigozhin, was a source of divisive postings about race, gun rights, and religion, often through stolen identities. A so-called chef who critics say doesn't mind getting his hands dirty so the Kremlin can keep its hands clean. There was a private troll farm run by Yevgeny Prigozhin um, that 
spent about a hundred thousand dollars on Facebook and Twitter ads um, that had, you know, that were somewhat commercially driven. And Mueller's indictment even indicates that the ads were commercially driven. Um, but what does that mean, commercially hot, driven? In other words, they would set up these um, Facebook groups uh, under false premises. I mean, it was being set up out of a St. Petersburg troll farm that uh, actually Progosian set up in the late 90s to uh, beat back against negative PR because parents in St. Petersburg didn't like the uh, bad hot dogs and American-style junk food that he had contracts to serve in their uh, school cafeterias. But in any case... Uh, they would set up these Facebook groups around all kinds of issues. Some of them were like Second Amendment pro-gun Facebook groups. Some of them pushed anti-Muslim messages. Uh, one, United Muslims of America, pushed uh, pro-Muslim anti-Islamophobia messaging. Um, some were anti-Hillary Clinton. Some were, um, you know, just against. American Empire and some there 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 was a coloring book that was sold that was called the Buff Bernie coloring book and it was an LGBT themed coloring book. I want one of those. Um, you know, which clearly clearly uh, did like deep damage to Hillary Clinton in the primary. I mean, this is the real reason why Bernie Sanders won in Michigan. Right. Um, there were. Uh, rallies that the this troll farm, the Internet Research Agency, attempted to kind of to, attempted to set up, and most of them never happened. The few ones that did, uh, eight people or less showed up. Um, basically, according to Facebook data, fifty six percent of Internet Research Agency ads that were um, investigated by the House and Senate Intelligence Committee that were discovered um, were taken were um, published after the election. Hmm. And 25% of those ads were seen by no one. So 81% of all ads of those that $100,000 of ads, which is a drop in the bucket compared to billions spent on, you know, spent by both the Trump and Clinton campaigns, 81% of those ads had absolutely zero impact at all during the election. Um, we saw Peter Baker, the chief White House correspondent at the New York Times, state that the Internet Research Agency focused its efforts in purple states and swing states, but actually only $1,000 was spent on Facebook ads targeting Wisconsin and Michigan, the two key swing states of the election. Right. It might have been $1,000 more than Hillary Clinton spent in those states because <laughs> right. she just decided not to visit them and right. ran you know, one of the worst campaigns I've ever witnessed in my life. Wait, Max, I'm going to stop you right there because I don't allow misogyny and racism on my show. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was you know anti-intersectional. Exactly. It was triggering. I love the way that the idea is that Hillary somehow is black. But anyway, sorry, keep going. So uh, they spent $1,000, which is $1,000 more than Hillary spent in Michigan and Wisconsin. Definitely Wisconsin, yeah. So basically, I mean, what I'm what I'm painting a picture of basically a, a, a pathetic little silly operation that had absolutely zero impact on the election at all. And, you know, it's it, it 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 deserves some coverage. Adrian Chen in 2015 did a piece, I think, for the New Yorker on this troll farm. He visited it. We've known about it for a long time. It was in October 
when the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee led um, with really being pushed by the Democrat co-chair, Mark Warner, revealed the existence of all these Facebook ads. So we've known about this for a long time as well. And I've just been mocking it the whole time because we, we, we the whole Russiagate narrative started with uh, hacking, you know, hacking of the DNC emails, hacking of John Podesta's account, although his account wasn't hacked. It was a phishing scam. What's the difference, by the way? Well, like some somebody reached out to John Podesta and said, you know, you need to reset your password. And then he went to the DNC's chief security, cybersecurity person and said, this doesn't seem like a real email. Should I answer this? And the person said, you should absolutely uh, provide your password. <laughs> so Podesta, after doing the right thing and consulting with the brilliant cybersecurity team of wow. the DNC, wow. uh, you know, was told, give them your password. So he gave them their password, which was password one. That was his password. I almost didn't need to ask him. Hacking is a more aggressive, more sophisticated thing than just a phishing scam, right? Absolutely. I mean, phishing scams are very common. Right. And, you know, I receive them all the time. I get emails that claim to be from Bank of America or something right. telling me to reset my password. And what they want is basically yeah. access to my bank account. And so then we then we gained access to Podesta's emails, which I thought were really useful in seeing that how Hillary Clinton had surrounded herself with these hovercraft elites mm. um, who were going to, um, you know, shoes off parties with investors at Martha's Vineyard and then flying to Davos. Um, and it, it was like this comic book joke of the lifestyles of the rich and delusional and completely out of touch who've just, you know, um, gotten rich off of contracts, like the contract uh, with Viktor Yanukovych's Party of Regions, which is the same contract that Paul Manafort enjoyed, which he's being indicted for. Mm. I'm going deep into the rabbit hole here. But my point is that we started out talking about hacking. Those allegations remain unproven, but they're accepted right. on faith by a consensus of liberal Democrats and centrists and the whole political establishment. Um, and now we're talking, but now we've, we've moved from hacking, which is, which is serious business. I mean, if there was a Russian intelligence operation to hack the DNC, then it should be investigated. And it's unfortunate that the FBI has not yet obtained the DNC email servers to investigate this. But now we're talking about a troll farm that's taken out buff Bernie LGBT themed coloring book ads um, and, you know, set up groups uh, for people who love puppies and all, all sorts of affinity groups and had zero impact on the election. And the reaction uh, from the MSDNC crowd and the whole mainstream media, I mean, you can turn on NPR um, and, you know, in the soft NPR, Scott Simon voice, you're just going to hear that this swung the election. A CNN poll that was taken late last year showed that 82% of Democrats believe that these Facebook ads played a decisive role in electing Donald Trump. Um, and, you know, it's not really hurting Trump, this whole narrative, right. as far as I can tell. But it's the, the, the bigger picture is it's hurting the world because... If you are anti-war, if you believe in world peace, there has to be detente between the mm. U.S. and Russia. They're the two major nuclear right. superpowers. They have to cooperate on de-escalation in Syria. There's a proxy war in Ukraine that's being driven right now by this 
Cold War narrative. Um, you know, I wrote in the Real News about how the U.S. is directly arming neo-Nazi affiliates of the Ukrainian military in eastern Ukraine, like the Azov Battalion. I mean, this is and and, and so you know, we're lo- the par- the the kind of partisan narrative loses sight of the big picture, which right. is that we have entered a new Cold War. In a Cold War. Whether it's the old Cold War or the new one, the most militaristic voices and elements in America will be emboldened and the progressive left is going to be marginalized by design. And so we're seeing that scenario play out as well uh, through the Mueller indictment because it not only claims that these this Russian troll farm sought to interfere on behalf of Donald Trump, but also Bernie Sanders. I mean, it fits perfectly with the Clintonite establishment narrative. And it also implicates Black Lives Matter as a kind of Russian tool. So, and and remember, Black Lives Matter was a serious problem for Hillary Clinton during the primary and even afterwards, uh, interrupting her events and just calling her out for uh, her role in you know, gutting welfare, calling young black so, men super predators, etc. Uh, we've got somebody saying here we have we to bring them for to heal. Okay, we'll talk well, I'm about it. I'm not a super predator, Hillary Clinton. Okay, fine, we'll talk can about you it. apologize to black people for mass incarceration? Well, can I talk? And then maybe yes. you can listen to what I say. Okay, fine. Thank you very much. Um, there's a lot of issues, a lot of issues in this campaign. The very first speech that I gave back in April, was about criminal justice reform, and about predators. You're being rude. That's not appropriate. This is not appropriate. You want to hear the facts and just want to talk. I know that you called black it, it almost seems like this indictment was designed to reinforce the Clintonite narrative and destroy Bernie Sanders' movement before the 2020 campaign even begins. And I've been saying from the beginning, Russiagate will blow back on the kind of liberal left that's been pushing it as a way of getting at Trump. And now it's happening. It's happening right before our eyes. Uh, and people really need to recognize what it is, even if they, you know, maybe played into it a little bit before. It's time to recognize the danger of it and to actually speak out. My question is always this, and maybe you know this. What do people, what does the hashtag resistance, the one that's pushing the, the Russia is responsible for the elections, uh, for the de- election results, what do they want to have happen? Is there fantasy that this will result in Trump's um, impeachment, then he'll step down, um, and then Mike Pence will take over, and then under Mike Pence we will fight Vladimir Putin. What is their end game? Do they want Donald Trump to be the commander in chief? Yeah, that's a great question. They they never talk about it. We can call them, you know, the the Pence tw- the Pence twenty eighteen <laughs> right. uh, campaign. Yeah. They're basically the Democrats for Pence. Yeah. Um, who actually, I think, you know, is arguably a more dangerous figure than Trump, and someone who's much more committed to the Christian right, right, and much more of an ideologue. So, what, 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 what's their agenda beyond Trump? They've been sold in a lot of ways on the imminence of impeachment. Um, they really, truly believe that Trump is an illegitimate president. They can't understand how he was elected. They don't accept that Hillary Clinton not only ran an extremely poor campaign, but set herself up for defeat through the legacy of Bill Clinton Mm. and her ownership of that legacy. The end of the 1990s, after two terms of my husband's presidency, the unemployment rate in Michigan was 4.4%. NAFTA, you know, it's destroyed 
just gutted the heartland of its jobs. It costs like New Hampshire. You have to win New Hampshire. It costs New Hampshire 35,000 jobs alone. I was on a picket line in the early 1990s against SNAP. The um, you know, Glass-Steagall, which set the stage for the foreclosure crisis. Um, the Iraqi Liberation Act, which put 20, $97 million into the hands of the Iraqi National Congress of Ahmed Chalabi and the sanctions that set the stage for the invasion of Iraq. Yeah. I mean, all of these, this whole um, path, this neoliberal and arguably neoconservative path that Bill Clinton set into motion has been so destructive for this country and Hillary Clinton took ownership of it all. And now Russiagate comes along to basically hollow out all left opposition to the establishment. Anyone who resists can be accused of echoing Kremlin talking points. And right. then beyond that, you're witnessing a massive defense buildup. The mm. National Defense Authorization Act, which pays for the military, is a record budget-busting $700 billion. Um, and it's going to be increased next year um, we, you know, to... Uh, supplement what the U.S. is doing in Syria, for example, where we now have eight military bases we didn't have before. These are permanent U.S. military bases, and they're there to ramp up conflict with Iran and Russia. Uh, for the Barack Obama had resisted arming the Ukrainian military, and Trump, under pressure from Russiagate, has rearmed the Ukrainian military with advanced anti-tank weapons. So all of this is happening as a result of Russiagate, and then in our world. We're being deplatformed. Uh, anti real anti war people, people on the left, naturally skeptical of this whole narrative, are just being completely deplatformed, even from programs like Democracy Now, wow. which is just playing, play, completely playing along with this, um, has completely surrendered any principle or any integrity, um, any claim to being you know a left wing alternative to the rulers. A lot, and the the Young Turks, the same thing. Yeah. Who do they? Who are they staffing up with? You know, bright, fresh, young talent like Dan Rather. I mean, it's a joke. <laughs> Giving him a chance. Our culture is being just completely overwhelmed by the intelligence community, which I don't even think is a really accurate term. Um, I don't see much intelligence or community there. It's an ironic name. Yeah, uh, unintentionally ironic. Right, exactly, but yeah. and isn't it ironic? CNN hiring as contributors, James Clapper, you know, former national director of intelligence who lied to, before Congress about mass surveillance, uh, Michael Hayden, another, uh, you know, really mal malicious figure who comes out of the CIA, uh, Jeremy Bash, former CIA chief of staff is a contributor at MSNBC, An, um, CIA official Philip Mudd is a constant voice on CNN, the movie Black, Black Panther, which you know everyone's raving about, or one of the heroes is a CIA agent. Mm. I don't know how that got in there. Yeah. Um, you know, you have the the really the only African American personality with a constant presence on MSNBC, Joy Reid, declaring that the Soviet Union was terrible for black people, basically right. stomping on the graves of Paul Robeson, W.E.B. Dubois, and Patrice Lumumba, and Fred yeah. Hampton. I mean, yeah. people whose lives were destroyed by the U.S. government because they were black socialists. Yeah. I mean, this and whole communists. atmosphere is just so 
overwhelmingly rancid to me. Russian, Russia, 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 of whether or not Russia had help, whether they had Confederates inside the Trump campaign when they launched this attack. But every day, every day, I leave my show and I think I'm going to be talking about something else. But every day, over the course of the news cycle, a new piece of it falls in place. This is not part of American politics. This is not, you know, partisan warfare between Republicans and Democrats. This is international warfare against our country. And it is shocking that no one has stood up to it yet. We haven't seen one Russiagate skeptic on MSNBC. Not one. Not one person on Chris Hayes' show, on any of these shows, has stood up to this. Yeah. It's you, Aaron Maté. Okay. And I guess I'll just say, I think we're conflating the fact that Putin is not a nice person that he, yes, he does not like Hillary Clinton. Um, he loathes the U.S. for many reasons, including the expansion of NATO. Uh, and but I think we're conflating that with evidence and 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 a conclusion that that meant that he cultivated Trump and intervened in the election. I think those two things are well, are different. Who else? Jimmy Dore. That's how Russia hacked into our election. That's the accusation. And isn't that weird? They have every email, every text, every phone call that anybody in the United States and outside have ever, 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 ever given or used or sent. Yet they still don't have, they can't provide us with evidence. So that, so let's remember that's what's going, that's what this is all about. So when they say Russia hacked into our election, they mean they got John Podesta's emails and revealed. So that's, uh, and, and other, if anybody else did it, it would be called journalism. <laughs> if anyone else did it, that's called journalism. Ben Norton. What, what this Russia's Gate scandal also distracts from is the fact that Trump is uniquely American. You know, I, we constantly read article after article where all these pundits compare Trump to, you know, leaders in the Soviet Union, the DPRK, China, Cuba, basically every country they dislike. According to Cass Sunstein, he's a Marxist. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so outrageous. But in reality, Trump is uniquely American. There is nothing Russian about him. He employed actually a pretty traditional right-wing populist strategy. This hyper-nationalism, scapegoating of immigrants, anti-Muslim bigotry, you know, some racist dog whistling. He promised some nativist, isolationist policies. This is not new. There's nothing Russian about it. It's very American. Trying to think of more people. Well, we don't have to, we don't have to, you know, there's a lot of people out there. And I think there are a lot of people who are self-censoring because they're afraid yeah. of losing their jobs and there aren't a lot of media jobs. Um, and, you know, but we don't have to have a pantheon of skeptics or anything. The, the, the point is. No, but I'm just curious. I'm naming them because I realized when you said that, yeah, there are very few people. Plus, I want to give, you know, people the chance to follow those people and know who they can turn to if they're looking for. You know, we can call ourselves, you know, Green say we're leftists. You can say Marx, you know, we're Marxists, we're anti-imperialists, we're this or that. But, you know, it really doesn't take all that. No, we I know. Have to yeah. demand, we have to demand basic evidence. Right. And when you really, and it's hard, it's very hard to follow Russiagate. I mean, every week there's some new bizarre twist and turn. So it's really hard even for media professionals and people who follow politics to keep up with all the details. But if you really do look into it um, and you put aside this this kind of um, chauvinistic prejudice against, uh, you know, Kremlin talking points. Putinist, yeah then you can actually see it for what it is. And we're being, we are the ones who are being propagandized. We're being propagandized by our intelligence community via mainstream media. We're witnessing a quiet coup in American life. 
Russia, Russia, Russia. It was a Russian operation. Russia and collusion. A Russian meeting with a Russian spy. Protecting our voting system from the Russia of the Russia. What are his dealings with the Russian banks? And it's absolutely terrifying because I don't know where it's going to lead. Right. And no one seems to be looking at that, right? Again, I don't know what people think. Like, do they want to ramp up to war with Putin? Who do they want to take us to war with Putin? Even if, let's just say for argument's sake, and I know that I don't, you're making a very convincing case that this isn't the case, but let's say that there was some kind of influence on the election. Um, then what? Right? We have, it's like, if that made a difference, and we have stuff that the DNC failed to do or did that made a difference, why would on earth, I mean, we know why, because they don't want to look at their own mistakes. But why would you focus on the stuff done abroad um, and not the stuff that we you have control over? It just seems so idiotic, especially when the stuff done abroad is with someone who, like if, if Trump is this existential threat, uh, unprecedented existential threat, and Putin is just very evil, then what, what do we want? We want them to go to war with each other? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, put your money where your mouth is all right yeah. uh it's pearl harbor it's 9-11 and speaking this morning the ranking democrat on that committee senator ben card to merlin issued a chilling assessment of president trump's leadership following attacks like pearl harbor uh, 9-11 u.s presidents have rallied the country and the world to address the challenges facing the nation Yet today, the current president of the United States still barely acknowledges the threat posed by Mr. Putin's repeated attacks on democratic governments and institutions. Uh, it is an attack on our country with use of 21st century means. Um, you look at the president's tweets this morning and try to imagine if Franklin D. Roosevelt, after Pearl Harbor, had gotten on the radio and said that Tokyo was laughing at us, uh, to use a little mm. less crude phrase than he did. Congressman Sherry Nadler joins me now. Uh, this is a very serious attack against the United States by a hostile foreign power, an attack against uh, our election process, our, our entire governing process. And the president and the Republicans in, in the House, for that matter, refuse, refuse to do anything about uh, protecting us from an attack. Imagine if FDR uh, had denied that the Japanese attacked us at Pearl Harbor and, and didn't react. That's the equivalent. Well, it's a bit of a different thing. I mean, no, it's not. They didn't kill anyone. It is very much on par. Okay, if it's Pearl Harbor or 9-11, then we immediately have to go to war with a nuclear exactly. power, have World War Three, and, you know, the the the, in, the the opening scene of Terminator 2 becomes our reality. Right. I mean, let's say that Russia intelligence did this hack of the DNC, which I don't even think right. in, impacted for the election. Sake. Yeah. Let's say, let's say they did it. Um, you know, first of all, it would be elegant compared to what we have done with sure. Russia, where we basically, we turned Russia into Mad Max in the 1990s. Former CIA director, Jim Woolsey. Uh, have you ever tried to meddle in other countries' elections? Oh, probably. But uh, it was for the good of the system in order to avoid the communists from taking yeah. over. For example, in Europe, uh, uh, in 47, 48, 49, uh, the Greeks and the Italians, we... We don't do CIA. that now, though. We don't mess around other people's well, elections, Jim. Yeah. 
<laughs> only for a very good Can cause. Can you do that? Do a Vine video on a former CIA director. Only for a very good cause in okay. the interests of democracy. All right, thanks for being here. It's always great to see you. Uh, it was basically systematic theft of state assets and the creation of an oligarchic mafia that resulted in Putin to restore order and stability and Russia's national interests. So we, in a way, created Putin. So right. that... It's our specialty. That... That hack is elegant compared to what we've done to Russia. Uh, 3.5 million excess deaths in the 1990s because Larry Summers and company were coming in and writing shock therapy economic policies. It's a crime equivalent to Vietnam mm. that we committed against Russia, mm. the Clinton administration. Okay, so there's that, but let's even leave that aside. For the sake of humanity, we still have to have detente and diplomacy right. with Russia. Right. So that's the big picture that we have to keep in mind. Which no one is talking um, about, which is like incredibly irresponsible yeah. and stupid and short-sighted. No, no, I mean, what, what you see from liberals, at least on social media, is this, this anger at Trump for not imposing more sanctions, even though new sanctions have been applied under Trump's watch. The Russian consulate in San Francisco was raided by the FBI. Mm. Russian diplomats were expelled from Washington, D.C. RT was registered as a foreign agent on right. the basis of nothing. And, uh, you know, what, what else can be done? Yeah. What, why, why, should, why should we sanction more? Why, why do we have to constantly ramp up hostility just to embarrass a president who yeah. is already doing a pretty good job of embarrassing himself? Right. And it's also appeals to nobody who we need to, are, to convince. People who didn't get out to vote don't care about this. People who like Trump and voted for Trump don't care about this either. In fact, I think they see it probably makes Trump look even better to them because he gets to look like he's, you know, the victim of, of liberal persecution, establishment, insider politics, persecution. Um, and they don't care about that. They're like, whatever, as long as he's giving us jobs, which he's not. But yeah, they get to you... see that. How do you fuck up resisting Trump so badly? I mean, <laughs> I it's like the easiest I guy know. to resist. <laughs> I know. It's it's a good question. I, I think that, you know, after the shock of Trump being elected and the cry ins and, you know, they put all the post-it notes around Union, right. Union Square subway station and after all the kind of weird little therapy sessions. Yeah. Um, now people, the, the liberals in that culture – and, and, and when I refer to liberals, I'm not referring to any particular kind of political line. Sure. I'm referring to a sense, a sensibility. Yeah. Uh, they actually like that Trump's president because it's easier for them to tune in every Saturday night to SNL's opening monologue right. and laugh at yeah. laugh at Trump uh, than to actually have to take ownership over a, a country that is in deep decline and be held responsible. Uh, uh, under, you know, another, another milquetoast centrist administration. Right. So, Wait, you know, Max, they've, they've kind of, they've constructed this cult. To hear the rest of my interview with Max, please become Patreon supporters. And to do that, just go to patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Also become Patreon supporters so that you can access our show notes, which links to great articles related to this topic. Thanks for listening to The Katie Halper Show. See you next week. The Katie Halper Show is produced by Florence Burrow Adams with support from Joshua Bregman. Our theme song is by The Ballet.